Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get to interview wonderful heroines who have answered a call to do something meaningful in their life, something usually that causes them to become bigger, a bigger persona than they initially were because they are answering that call. So thank you for joining me. And what we do today is talk with Deb Hart. Welcome, Deb. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And, and will you tell everybody where you're hailing from? Yes, I am outside of Portland, Oregon, near the Columbia River. Okay. Very close to the Columbia River Gorge. Which, and we're going to hear about what you do in the water there. But is the Columbia River where you do what you do? Yes. Okay. So hold on, because I want to make sure I read about you before we get into things. I was just saying to Deb, I have so many questions for her. So I don't want to take up too much time, but I want to read from your website, which is Pink Sisters Incorporated, which is a nonprofit. And your bio is Meet Deb Hart. And I love this. She leaves a little sparkle wherever she goes. And I'm all about sparkle, Deb. Deb Hart is the founder of Pink Sisters Incorporated. She and its sisters, A.S. She is an inspirational speaker, mentor, friend, breast cancer survivor, and breast and fighter confidant. And if you are a survivor, particularly anybody listening to this, If you are a survivor or fighter, she will welcome you with open arms on the retreat, we'll hear about that, to give you an experience you won't soon forget. And we also, Deb, have to make sure we talk about your book, which is, I know, the third edition of stories from breast cancer survivors, but I want to ask you a more personal question first. Okay. And and that is... You haven't always run a nonprofit and done this kind of work and taken women on retreats and been a mentor to breast care survivors. So what got you into this? What was the nudge or what we say on the heroine's journey? What was the call that got you going in this whole nonprofit business? 
In 2006, August 2nd, I lost my only son, Casey. He was a tugboat captain in Anchorage, Alaska. We don't know what happened to Casey, but we've done all the due diligence that we possibly can. And really what it boils down to is Casey was only here for 22 years. About six months after Casey passed away in 2022, or excuse me, 2006, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, stage three. My whole world tipped upside down. Right. It took me about four years after having my breasts removed, lots and lots of chemo to get my life back on track. And the saving grace to all this was an organization in California that did retreats for moms who had lost a child. Their next trip was to Greece. I went on a Greece trip in the Mediterranean Sea with nine other moms on a catamaran, huge catamaran, mm-hmm. went to 10 islands. We were there 10 days and there were 10 of us. And really and truly, I can tell you that it was the beginning of the new Deb who emerged. And when I came home, I knew I couldn't help moms who had lost a child. I was positive of that. But I had gone through breast cancer and treatment, and I was stage three, and I knew I could help other women. What wonderful clarity, you know, such great clarity. But let me ask you, because I'm familiar with what happens when women get together and how wonderful an experience that could be. But can you pinpoint what was it about you being with those women on that trip? What what do you think did it that helped you turn around and and start a new life, really? Every one of these women had an opportunity to share about their loss for a whole day. The day that it was my turn to share about Casey, we pulled into the island of Spences. I was walking up along the beach all by myself. And as I got closer and closer, I could see a sparkle in the sand. And I got closer and I reached down in the sand and it was thousands of pieces of sea glass that I picked up in my hands. And there it was. Simply, when that glass went into the ocean, it was razor, razor sharp. It would have cut my hands into a thousand different pieces. But over time, that glass tumbling in the ocean, on the beach, it had softened and Mm -hmm. the corners had Mm -hmm. rounded Mm -hmm. and no longer were they sharp. And I knew then there it was. I too was going to heal after Casey's death because I knew for sure that time does heal. Yes. Oh, 
what a beautiful story and what a sad, sad story, but also with so much promise because what it, what it lit inside of you and gave you the motivation to do, but I can just see you on that beach. And I'm sure with those women, there were many, many tears shed, which is also a healing experience. You know, I always say that I hadn't cried for years and years and years. I was a pretty tough gal. I was a farm girl, taught not to cry. But I'm telling you, after Casey's death, I had two spots on my face that were permanently burned for months and months and months by all the shed, all the tears that I had shed with all that salt in them. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. So, so you come home from Greece mm -hmm. and you, and that amazing trip, and you know that you can do something to help the women, the breast survivors who have been your partners as you've traveled this journey. So how did you get things going? I mean, to me, that must have been a big endeavor. It was a big endeavor. And the part that I have to share and, and, and I'm kind of embarrassed to share that during uh, Casey's death, a lot of my friends weren't there from me. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. Then they swooped back down on that fifth month when I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And I told all of them that they were kicked to the curb. They weren't there for the biggest part of my story. Therefore they didn't get to be there for the breast cancer journey. Hmm. So talk about a lonely, lonely journey that I did for a year and a half by 22 rounds of chemo, many infections, having my breasts removed. It was super, super lonely. Yes. So when I got home from Greece, I knew I had to mend some things. And my friends were just so excited to see me actually get back on the horse that bucked me off and get back going again. And so many of my friends joined in on the part of the nonprofit called the uh, all of all that goes on with the breast cancer nonprofit. Right. You know, hiring an attorney to do all the paperwork and get it to the IRS and being on a committee and fundraising. And yeah. And what was I going to do? Was I going to do support group? Was I going to do financial help for these women? What was I going to do? Nope. It was perfectly clear to me. I was going to teach women to have fun after treatment. Fun. So that's something because a lot of times support groups are about sitting around and talking and, but you wanted fun. You so wanted fun. what's fun then? How did you, what did you figure out? Well, the first part of the retreats, we had them up at Pine Hollow, which is not far from the gorge in central Oregon. And we had the retreats up there for three years. It was just too far from metropolitan Portland women to drive to and have a great time over the weekend. 
And so I had moved to a floating home on the Columbia River. Yeah, Sleepless in Seattle. We all know that adorable little movie. Well, I had one of those adorable little oh houses. Oh my gosh. Did you have it like in a same kind of place where Tom Hanks's home was? No, because that's in Seattle. But oh, in Portland, right. there are many floating home communities. Sleepless in Portland, right. Yes, yes. And so I had a very small floating home that had really given me a lot of joy and a lot of healing, especially with Casey being connected to the ocean in, in Anchorage. The water was healing. Well, as I was sitting and looking out my window one day, I said, it's time for us to do retreats here on the Columbia River. Well, a big, huge house, 2,800 square feet, went on the market. My house was 450 square feet. The difference. My little house, I sold the huge house up at Pine Hollow, and I bought the monster 2,800 square foot floating home. Floating home. Floating home, just like my little floating home that I had had. And we began retreats. Well, everything went great. We taught them how to paddleboard and kayak and eat healthy, do some yoga, go out on a boat excursion, make uh, jewelry, and connect with other women. There were usually eight to 10 women in each one of these retreats. Okay. Well, then the pandemic hit. Yes, it did. Okay. What did you do? Well, I had to pivot. My mentor helped me understand that I just needed to pivot. And at 62, three years old back then, two years ago, it's very difficult to make those changes. Right. But in order to continue our nonprofit, we went from three-day retreats to day retreats. They come at 11, they leave at three. I teach them to paddleboard, kayak, go out on the party barge ride, have lunch with me on the Columbia River. All of this has always been at no cost to all survivors. So that's amazing. I was waiting for you to say that because- Yep. So yep. people- Always, always no cost to all survivors, doesn't matter lumpectomy, double mastectomy, terminally ill, we open our arms and invite everyone to come. And really, it's about giggling out loud, giggling after so much trauma and grief that goes on right. with breast cancer. So Deb, how do people apply? How, how do you choose? There are so many women out there that have gone through this. How how can you possibly choose who you get to who gets to go? Well, last year we had a waiting list and we had 87 guests. Um, it's first come, first serve. People just know these women who come tell five, six other women. And before you know it, they've hit our website. They go to the contact us, send me an email. And I let them know what the dates are that are available. And we correspond through text. 
And this year, I think I have four openings left, but as of September 15th, we'll be done for the year. And then we start back up again in January by putting it out on our Facebook page and also our uh, website that we are open for uh, different women to sign up and come to retreat. We don't have a form that they need to fill out and see if they qualify. Everyone qualifies. Oh my gosh. So, so we'll put all your contact information in the show notes so people will have it. Um, but tell me, because I understand that, that first of all, there's seven, how many retreats do you do all summer? Well, this year it will be 25. Okay. But That's then there's, something special about this year you're taking them to some amazing place well this year we had a new board member and christy had been to maui for the past three years with a group of friends and they called it maui and friends (laughs) they fly into this amazing camp that has cabins private beach just outside of lahaina and She shared that with us. And because it was our 10 year anniversary, our board members said, Deb, we know we can't do it for free. We know that we're on a limited budget. But what if women bought their own airfare? And then we also had an accommodations amount, a little bit of food that they could pay for. So $400 they wrote a check for. They bought their own airfare and they have accommodations in a cabin. I met with another nonprofit in Maui and Monica who runs the nonprofit. What makes you feel beautiful is putting together an amazing opportunity for us. Like lay making that's going to come to us. Oh my gosh. All the snorkel gear, all the paddle boards, all the kayaks. And of course, um, a luau and hula dancing. And then we had a sponsor, one of my good friends who said, Deb, those women must have swag bags. And I said, you're right, but we don't have any money for that. Well, she is our sponsor. Actually, it's a he who is our sponsor and is super excited about putting $800 into Pink Sisters funding and being able to designate exactly where his money is going. And he was here at my house last week and I shared the beautiful sarongs that are being made right now, all of them different because not all breast cancer survivors love pink anymore. No, that's true. (laughs) So we have this wide variety of sarongs being made. And this is 30 women who have signed up within 12 hours. They signed up. They said, yes, yes. We're in, we're in. Wow. And so the 1st through the 7th of October, I and my board members are going to host the 10 year anniversary party for Pink Sisters. 
in Maui. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. And you know what I bet? I bet it's going to be so amazing. You're going to want to do it again. This might be an annual thing. Several of my friends have said just exactly that. And I've said this, hold on. I need to get through the first one. (laughs) 30 women, 30 personalities. (laughs) And my board members are all going to facilitate through this also. So we have never facilitated before. They are all going to be on just like I've been on for 10 years doing these retreats. Wow. And so we're pretty excited about the challenge. And who knows, this could be an annual trip. Right. I don't know. Oh my gosh. It, so, you know, when you started out on this journey of doing this, you, I'm sure, never thought this would happen. It's so amazing. It's one thing we say about the heroine's journey, that if you answer your call and take a step into the adventure, into the unknown, you're going to find yourself on a road of so much opportunity that you didn't even know was there. And it seems like you've been opening doors and opening doors and it's wonderful. So now I need you to tell us about what's the book? What's that about? Well, this past year, we've done a book. We've done two other books, 2021. And now this is our third book in 2022. And it came out in April uh, around the 26th. It has 28 authors, women who've gone through breast cancer. Mm -hmm. who are terminal in this book one who I'm very sad to say's husband had to finish her chapter that's very sad but the spectrum of knowing yes there are a lot of women that survive breast cancer there's also a few who don't and this is just a guide for you because the neighbor across the street or a family member or one of your friends could go through breast cancer. Everybody knows somebody, right. but these stories are pretty amazing. These are all local women, Northwest women. So, Wow. And so... Again, we'll put the information in the show notes, but just, so how, what's the best, easiest way to get hands on that book? Pinksisters.org. It's front and center. Right. Right. Well, what, so again, I see you as such a mentor to, to women who are on their own journeys, which you, which the book is about, which is what the retreats are about. But I don't want to forget that you're you're on your own heroine's journey, too. And so, you know, I put together some questions that I often ask other heroines. And I'm wondering if you would humor me and answer these questions. Love to. Okay. So, and I, th- I think it's going to be easy to get, 
guess your answer to the first one, but we'll see. You might surprise me. So what do you do in the world, Deb, that brings you the most joy? My journey has truly been about continuation of healing. Everything I do heals me. Mm. My story, yes, I had breast cancer, but I say it's not about breast cancer. It's about the loss of Casey. Yes. But I can tell you for positive sure that all of these women that share their story at these retreats, they too have grief, grief of their health, mm. grief of a body part that could be missing, grief of a husband who left, grief of an employer who also let them go during breast cancer. So there's so much grief that goes on with breast cancer. And, you know, I have truly, truly figured out a way to heal myself. And that's reaching out and helping other women go through and tell their story. So you really found something with so much meaning and which was greater than you and your life um, and brought that in. And that's really been such a healing thing for you. And you have achieved healing. I have. After such an impossible loss of losing a child. So, well... So here's number two. What have you done in your life that you thought you could never do? Speak in front of thousands of people. Really? And share my story. I was one of those people that said, oh, no way am I ever going to get up and speak in front of people. Again, speaking about and sharing the loss of Casey and also the journey of breast cancer has healed me. It has healed me. I just spoke last week at a Rotary Club in front of maybe about 100 people. And there was a man who I zeroed right in on and he just put his head down and the tears were dropping down onto the table. And I knew, I knew he had lost a child. I knew it in my heart. And as soon as I got done, and as soon as the meeting was over, he stayed. And he had lost a son just Mm -hmm. about six months prior. Wow. And, you know, sometimes it's really difficult to help other people with their journey, because you know what, it brings back my own journey. And not that I don't want to talk about my journey, because it heals me every time I get to, but sometimes taking on someone else's grief of their child can be more than I even want to go with. Right, right. I wonder if that was a something that you thought you could never do and here you are doing it all over and and I everybody listening to you can tell that you're a wonderful speaker just because 
of how the cadence and how you you do speak. But I'm wondering what helped you because this is a thing for people. I think particularly for women speaking up and having their voice be heard. And what helped you when you were still venturing out into the speaking world? Well, I went to Toastmasters. There you go. It was my first stopover point. And I remember the day I arrived, there were probably 30 people in that room. And they asked me just to stand up and kind of share how the meeting went. And I just stood up and just cried and cried and cried and cried. And I couldn't even get the words out. And there was a man there who was a college professor. And after the meeting, he said, I really want to mentor you. I really want to put you arm, put, put you right underneath my arm and help you get going again. I see it in you. And I know that you're here for a reason. And that reason is to heal. And wow. speaking and telling your story will heal you. I promise. Now, that's a great story. Isn't that wonderful? And it, he was right, obviously. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Wow. Yeah. And I yeah. bet, knowing you, that you probably mentor other women similarly, helping them tell their story. And there's probably tears. And yeah. I do. I do. So, so maybe this next question sort of pertains to that. And that is, what have you learned? That's a, this is probably a big one. What have you learned that you want other others to know, other women to know, or just other people to know? That you can, because I can, come from devastation. And I do mean devastation. Uh, a diagnosis of breast cancer and the loss of Casey. And you can swing on over to the inspirational side called healing. It can be done. Mm -hmm. There are some pet peeves and one of them is this. Well, time will heal. And in a parent's way of thinking, you wanna say to the person, what do you know about time healing this? Mm -hmm. Because you cannot even fathom it. But I am going to tell you, it has softened it for me. Another pet peeve is the person who says he's in a better place. No, not at 22 years old. He was just embarking on his life. He wasn't married. He didn't have any children. He just started his career. He was into it for five days. Wow. No, he's not in a better place. The only better place and the best place is right here on earth with me mm. continuing his life. Mm -hmm. But I know now that he made a big, huge splash in the water of the world that Casey lived in. And he touched a lot of people's lives in a really short period of time. Mm. 
Well, you know, there's so much talk now about resilience. And I think you're the poster child. <laughs> really? You. Well, seriously. Um, tell me again, remind me the so you lost Casey and what was the time frame before you were diagnosed? Just seven months. It was all in the same year. I call it sorry, but it was the year from hell. Just people, your friends, your closest friends that you think are going to be there, they go to the funeral, they sign the guest book, they bring the flowers, and then they leave. And as a parent, I watched every single one of those bouquets die and read through hundreds of my friends that were there. And then they disappeared and they didn't know what to say and they didn't know what to do. So they did nothing. Right. Oh, anger built big yeah. time. So tell, help, you know, I know a lot of people, and I have in the past, not gone to see somebody thinking, I don't know what to say. And I know you told us about your pet peeve, but what, what would you say to people who don't know they've lost somebody like a son or a daughter, someone so close, what would be good to say? Well, I know one thing for positive, sure. I will never send out another grief card as long as I live without a hanky. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you Kleenex, it does not hold the amount of tears that any parent will weep. Never. It, it won't. So I always do that. But back to the question what can you say? There's not a lot of words. And I just always say, I'm not a coach. But when people ask me that, I just say, there are no words. Because many times as parents are offended by words. So my very closest friend, Mary, who was there on this journey, and she would just call me up. And she'd say, I'm on my way. And I'd say, no, 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 Mary, it's okay. Uh, you know, I'm fine. She'd say, did you hear what I said? I'm on my way. Yes. She didn't right. give me a choice. And she came and she sat at the end of the bed. Mm -hmm. As many days, I had the covers pulled up over my head. And she just would cry with me and listen. And boy, I cussed and I screamed and I hollered and I was so, so angry. So angry. Mm -hmm. In a real big, ugly, ugly storm, like deadliest catch, that kind of a right. storm. Yes. Hmm. It reminds me when my mother passed away, I had a friend, my friend Creighton, just showed up at the door with a beautiful roast chicken that she had cooked and, and she just came in. And she didn't ask or anything. She just showed up with this meal. It was the perfect thing. So, and I think what you're saying is 
it's you don't have to know the right words you just come you don't have to say anything just your presence is is what's needed and so i think yeah. that's helpful for people to hear yes so deb what can so people are listening women are listening men are listening what what do you want from people how can they help you how could they step in and assist <clears throat> with what you're even if they're over on the east coast like i am yep what's <clears throat> it's real what i what i want our viewers to know there are many 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 nonprofits out there many, many. and they'd like you to think before you pink and what i mean by that is our nonprofit 501c3 is structured with no payroll I'm not on the payroll. None of my board members are on the payroll. None of us receive any money that is donated to our nonprofit. It goes to the only program that we do. And man, do we do it well. We yeah. really, really do it well. Women come to those retreats and they'll have a hundred excuses why they can't get on a paddleboard. And I say to them, can you just sit on that paddleboard? And they go, well, yeah. And I go, now, can you put one, on, one knee up? Well, yeah. Can you put your foot underneath that knee? Well, well, yeah. And before you know it, they are standing on the paddleboard, paddling around the marina, not in the big Columbia, in a very safe, calm space. And the other gals that are at this retreat, they go wild. They're they quiet. go, I am not leaving until I paddleboard too. <laughs> and there's so much giggling and so much laughing. These women come and really learn to laugh again. And I believe in just that short period of time, we build self-esteem. Right. We do. We do. I see it happen. And they meet new people who have common denominator, breast cancer too. So you're really, you encourage them to get out of their comfort zone and... Of course, that does build confidence when they do it and they're connected with each other. And so I'm thinking what you're telling me by telling me that nobody's on the payroll, the way that people can help is to donate. Yes. And, and you know, it doesn't, and it and doesn't no, have to be a thousand dollars. Right. You know, we estimated this year for a retreat with gas for our boat and lunch. If you wrote a check for $25, that would be a scholarship for one woman to come to a retreat. That's minimal, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, you don't have to write a thousand or 10,000. We just need a little bit of money to do what we're doing. Last year, we spent $488 on gasoline. Well, we all know 
this year it's going to be, be double. double. Yeah. Sadly. Last year we spent $1,200 on lunches and waters and, you know, all that they need for their lunch. We try really careful to keep that gluten into in, in the equation and the paleo and the vegan. And with that comes a much more expensive lunch than what we normally, all of us would do. Right. But last year we spent about $1,200 on groceries. Well, we all know that groceries yeah. are double too. Right, right. Well, I think... I think you have shared with us so much that it's going to be not too difficult for people to see why it would be wonderful to donate to your organization. I'm wondering, is there any thought into, and maybe you already have, expanding it in some way into a not, no, you want to stay. You know what? At 66 years old, I've said all along that I do have an exit plan. And so I would say in the next couple of years, it will be less retreats that we are going to have just simply because I, it's difficult for me to woman handle paddle boards, all blow ups these days. It's still a lot for me to coach paddle boarding and kayaking and woman handled those boats and, you know, pack that lunch down the ramp, make sure the life jackets are all in great shape. And, you know, I have a captain's license so I can drive the boat, but just keeping all the towels refreshed on the boat. And, you know, there's just a lot to it. Don't right. get me wrong. I can't even imagine not doing it. I can't. And many of my friends will remind me that in the last four years, I've said, yeah, I've got an exit plan. But do I really have an exit plan or will I always do what I'm doing? Maybe just not so many retreats. I don't know. I mm -hmm. love it. Or maybe a first mate who can help you more but here's yeah. here's the problem with that all of our board members have said the same thing but all of our retreats are during the week they're on Tuesdays Thursdays and some Mondays and our board members all work all have a job I'm the one who does not have a job and so as far as anyone helping um it has to be a survivor. We would never allow the privacy of our survivors to have someone who is not. Right. So that has not happened. But I can tell you that what my board members would say to you right now, Deb wants to do it her way and she wants to do it by herself because Deb's kind of a control freak. Okay, well, that's... <laughs> That's okay. Look at what you've done. You know, look at what you've done. It, I, so much, obviously, you know, you say, I don't have a job. Well, of course you have a job. You don't have a paying job, but paying I'm, job. maybe you, it's a labor of love. It's just a, oh. it, it's a ministry actually. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I, I, well, <clears throat> 
there was a time in my life when I thought more Gucci bags, a better BMW, a new vacation, a new house up on the hill, a this, a that, a this, a that. And then my whole world fell apart. And I can tell you right now that that Gucci bag is not going to the next location with me. Neither is the vacations and neither is any of those homes. It's really about paying our bills with our money and giving when we can give to help other people. And it, I hate to say it, but Casey's death and myself having a health issue with a disease called breast cancer put me right down to my knees and humbled me. So let me ask you one more thing. You said so much in our time together, so much good stuff. If the people listening, particularly the women listening, and they might be, as you said, you know, there's all kinds of loss and all kinds of grief, particularly if they're in a place where they're on their knees. What do you want to make sure that they take from this, our time with you today? Soon they will sparkle again. They will sparkle again. I know when I was on my knees that I didn't think I was ever going to get out of the big, bad, ugly storm that I was in. I was positive. I didn't have my hair highlighted. I didn't go get my eyes checked. I didn't go to a dentist. I did hardly nothing except for pull the covers up over my head for about two and a half, three years. Wow. Yeah. So talk yeah. about an ugly place and an ugly storm. But I'm telling you, one foot in front of another, you will sparkle again. Women, after they come to the retreats, always say, oh, Deb, I want to do what you're doing. I want to, I, I can't, I want to write a book. I want to start a nonprofit. I want to do, and you know what? I love that. And I'm so open to helping other people do that. I think there's plenty of room for all of us to do a ministry, yeah. whatever it is. Right, right. I. I love the leaving them with you will sparkle again is, is really wonderful. Yeah. So Deb Hart, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today. And I think that you will be sparking and inspiring many people who listen. And I appreciate your time. And I'm going to follow up with you to see how that trip to Hawaii goes. I actually went to Maui and went to Lahaina a long time ago. And remember the lays and the smell of the flower. It's, you're going to have such a fantastic time. 
We are. And, you know, some of our women who are going on this trip, probably two of them have never even been out of Oregon. So this is a huge deal for them. Just yeah. a huge deal. Yeah. I've been to Maui three or four times, but uh, this is just going to be like no other. Just watching women smile and I always say, you know, you can partake or not bring a book. If you want to sit on the beach and read that book and not make a lay and not do a hula dance, go for it. It's up to you, yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah. So thank you. Well, you. Bless you. And thank you. And everyone listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to the two of us today. I hope I know that you've been inspired by Deb and her story and what she's doing. And I look forward to having you come on to our next show and having another interview with a heroine on my real life heroines podcast. So thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna Liller. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLillard.com and visit the website at SusannaLillard.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve.